You're making cocktails over the bar with your ride symbol flying over next to it. It's a vodka 7-Up and grenadine. Ooh. It's a grown-up Shirley Temple. What the fuck is grenadine? <laughs> it's cherry flavor. <laughs> just cherry flavor? Cherry syrup. Scissor. I just found a rock in my hair. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> You're even more haggard than you let on. I told you, COVID, bro. <laughs> You've literally been sleeping outside. It's been a rough year, you guys. <laughs> Hey, it's the Page Avenue Crew Podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Dan. Josh. Ryan. And we have a special guest. Two weeks in a row, we have guests that are special. His name's Brandon Kinsteinerkurt. Brandon Kinsteinerkurt. Brandon Kinsteinerkurt. Did I say Brandigan? No, you said, you said, you said Brandon Kinsteinerkurt. <laughs> <laughs> like Kinsteinerkurt. Bernie Federko. Karanikipurit. The cluster Hardunkichud. Holy shit. Adam, try that again. Go ahead. His name is Brandon Steinerkurt. He plays drums in a band called Rancid. You might have heard of him. What's up? Yeah. Woo! Little tiny band named Rancid. Nobody's nobody's really familiar, but Brandon Gunsteinaker. He plays in a band called Karancid. Karancid. Hi guys. Hi Brandon. Hi, it's been a while. It's been a long time. We go way back with Brandon. We've toured together a whole lot. He used to be in a band called The Used. For older fans of ours, we became friends way back in those days. That's right. Just a little background before we start talking stupid shit and making fun of each other. Yeah. And then he joined a way bigger band. True. <laughs> We've known each other for. Almost 20 years. Since 2002? Yeah, yeah two or three. I would say, right? Yep. Fuck, that was a lifetime ago. Long time ago. Where are you? Because you that's not, are you not at your house? Or do you have two houses? Like, what's going on? You said you just moved into Ryan, a- that's a whole. that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you're still, you're still in the Provo area? Um, no. Um, the simple version of that, I'm in Southern Utah. I'm like- one mile from the Arizona border, pretty much. Like oh. I'm right fucking here. Um, Whoa. And uh, living out in the desert currently in a very, very, very small town um, where I originally had built like a kind of investment vacation home. Long story short, sold my house to build one there. As 2020 happened, kind of got stuck down here and just finished um, a new place down here. So that's a long story. Basically, I just live in Southern Utah and I'm in my new little studio room that I just finished like a week ago. So do you, is it like when you say small town, like how small? I don't know the population offhand, but very, very like there's four stoplights in the whole town. Whoa. That kind of small. Are you the only one that doesn't wear cowboy boots? Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely that kind of a town. And in the desert, we're really South. So you get a lot of that Southern culture. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't been my favorite to live amongst, but um, you probably stand out a little bit. Yeah. But you know, I'll give it credit. Cause it is a very diverse place where it's like got, I mean, there's a city called St. George, not far from here. And that's a little bigger town. That's yeah. a little more like still smaller than like Provo or Orem where I've been living since I was 11. And, um, those are even still small towns. So this is really on a small scale, but, um, it's quite diverse out here, which I appreciate, you know, it's, a little bit um, retirement vibe, a little bit touristy, a little bit um, uh, everything in between. But there's like Zion's National Park is like a 20-minute drive from my house. Oh, oh so, so it's a lot of tourism and, and makes for a, a nice, diverse kind of local culture, which I appreciate a lot. 
Dude, there's so much shit around there, like fucking Bryce, Zion, Moat, like all that shit's like, oh, yeah. dude. That's Southern the jam. Utah is amazing, man. Fuck it's yeah. like it's it's another world out here. And and like, have you guys seen Red Bull Rampage? Yep. That yeah, mountain absolutely. bike shit. Absolutely. That's literally right, right by where I live. And wow. it's, it's insane. You know, so it's just a rad like place to be, you know. That's Sweet. one of my favorite spots in the entire fucking world. Is where just that pocket of Utah, man, where all that stuff is. Well, last time we flew out yeah. to Salt Lake to do that festival with you guys, Josh and I flew out a day early. Josh went to your house to hang out. I rented a van and uh, slept in a van on top of a mountain, did like some climbing and shit. That's and, right. Yeah, dude, that's, that's like, right. That's my, that's my fucking world, dude. You would love it down here, man. Like, there was like, we'll take our side by sides, and I'm right at like the sand dunes and a lake. That was why I moved right here because I'm literally a stone's throw from those two and you can ride through the sand dunes and all this crazy shit. It's red sand and there's like dinosaur footprints you can go see and oh, explore. And it's, it's insane, man. There's so much, so much cool stuff out here. I love it, but didn't expect to be living out here, but here I am, you know, since when does Brandon go to the dunes? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brandon almost killed me on the dunes once. Dude, you almost killed you. I almost joined Story of the Year about <laughs> seven years ago. It was like the day of your, wasn't that the first show of your tour or something? That was when we flew out. I went out and hung out with you and Ryan went and did his, whatever he did, drugs. No, I, th- I swear that was an earlier one, I thought. No, I, no, that, no. Was that that one? I don't think so, Scoobs. Because you, you guys are saying, it wasn't that one. It was a different one. No, it was for sure. We, it, play, we we played that weird little like uh, radio show. Yeah, it wasn't that. This was older. No, I don't know. But either either way, it doesn't matter. Tell the people how you almost died. I almost died. Yeah, tell the story. <laughs> but we took, tell them how it happened. We went to the sand dunes. I took him. We just took ATVs, like a four wheelers, old school, and um, little Sahara, if you will. Yep. And we went out there where that's all white sand, and it's incredible. Um, we went out there, and I was giving Josh so many like, be careful of this and this and this and this. Just over and over because you guys had your first show or whatever it was like the next day. And then like I turned around at one point and I don't remember. I remember exactly where it was. I can see it. But somehow you basically drove over yourself and almost really <laughs> no, wrecked no, no, yourself. No, 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 I know, how to, I know how to handle myself on fucking motorized sure. machinery. He ran over his dick. No. <laughs> Got caught in the spokes. So we were going through like the actual dunes for a while. And then there's that like trail that goes like on the outer portion of it. Right. And I was following behind you and Danielle and I'm going. And then like, it had like a, as we turned a corner, there was a giant rut on the left side of like that trail, right. it, like washed out. So I hit that rut and went over the top of the four wheeler <laughs> and the four wheeler came on top of me, but somehow I was holding it up <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, Got out of from underneath it somehow. I pushed it out from under me. I'm standing there. And Brandon's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm totally fine. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on a second. Let your <laughs> adrenaline just kind of like calm, calm down for a minute. Cause I, it was literally like on my shoulder and I was like holding yeah. it up somehow the whole entire And you had like wheeler. a leg like wrapped around a tire or something. Yeah. I don't know what too. happened, like- but I was like, no, I'm totally fine, man. <laughs> He's like, what? Well, just you stop. I was stressed. I was like, damn it. Now I'm going to have to go home and learn the whole set list in one night, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine because I wrote most of those songs anyway. The used wrote all our first record, so it's totally cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, I did that exact same thing on a four-wheeler. I went up a hill, like a super steep hill, and uh, 
rolled over the four wheel, like on top of myself, rolled over my skull. Yeah, I exactly. went like <laughs> I went Dude. like over the front of it, and it yeah. yeah folded over on top of me. But I was somehow holding it up. I don't know how. You're strong. I'm so. That was I, when I looked so back strong. and saw you and was panicked. Yeah, you Brandon was really freaked out. It was, <laughs> I was like, no, dude, I'm totally fine. <laughs> Well, well I've hey, been with friends when they do that, and then all of a sudden they jump up and they're like, I'm fine, but they don't realize like their arms like bent in the wrong direction. Like a piece yeah. of shrapnel no, no, on their I'm head. Good. Yeah. 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 I'm like, uh, let's take a minute. <laughs> no, I'm not going to break the news to you yet. <laughs> it, it's cool that the, like, the fucking the bar is out of my chest. No, don't worry about it. What's <laughs> <laughs> that movie so, that we really love? I feel like it's uh, all of them. <laughs> Maybe it's got Jonah Hill in it or something. Somebody's got a piece of shrapnel like in their head and they're in the car and they're just going to the hospital. Oh, that's, that's uh, hot rod. That's hot rod. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Bill Hader. Yes. <laughs> Bill Hader. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. That's such a good one. Great scene. So Brandon. Yeah. Two things. A, dude, given the state of the world over the last, I don't know, 11 months or whatever, it's probably pretty fucking awesome that you're where you are geographically with all these sand dunes and all this open area as opposed to like being in like Manhattan or some shit like that. So I imagine being quarantined down there is pretty pretty dope. B, what have you been doing for like a year? Like what like what do you do all day? I know that's kind of a weird question, but ranted, you know, you guys aren't playing shows, obviously. Um like, yeah. like what's your I never know what he's doing. Talk about all that shit. Like what's your day to day What's your program, like, what, bro? <laughs> yeah. Like what's life been what for you, you this year? About? Like what this year? You know how do you end up with rocks in your hair? <laughs> I was just touching my my red orange hair and found rocks. No, um, you know, it it was uh, it was ideal and very far from it to be out in a place like this during all of this because it was easy to quarantine because it's just Danielle and I were three and a half hours from all of our friends and family and loved ones and everything like that. So the option to even see anybody was not there. And there's not like a social environment or anywhere we go out here. This is kind of the place we come to get away from everybody. So in that sense, it was great. It was kind of ideal because it's warm climate. You know, we're very much out in the desert. There's palm trees at my house, which is unique to be within the state of Utah and have palm trees, you know. Um, but it also kind of was a little bit of the shining kind of vibe where you're just like, fuck, you feel like you're out on an Island by yourselves. And it was just, you know, we didn't murder each other or anything, but um, we were all good. It was just like that need for any kind of interaction or anything was, we were longing for that more than ever. And I think just being in a place where we don't even see people at all, if we run to a store or something, mask up and, go do that. But we're going to these tiny grocery stores and grabbing stuff. I don't know. It was weird. It, it worked. Um, but it was also tricky because, um, I mean, long story short, I had, I had built this house out here that my builders was just the fucking worst. And my house was a giant piece of shit that was flooding and leaking. And so, um, it was really, really stressful because I was living in this house with like mold behind the walls and all this stuff while there's this pandemic happening and all this shit like that could, we felt like we were like being compromised just in our own safe space, you know? And so that was added a lot of extra stress, which is why I then spent most of 2020 trying to get out of that mess, get rid of that house and build a replacement. So I had like a secure place to live, you know? Um, and that's what landed me in this house. I just moved in back in November 
And uh, it's nice to have like a comfortable, secure roof over my head and, and not have to worry about if it's going to fall apart in the next rainstorm and shit like that. So, um, but my days have been like, dude, I'll be one day I'm out like shoveling gravel with my landscapers and, and landscaping my whole yard and driving a forklift and doing shit where I've just been doing proper like construction work for like the last six months, which has actually been really gratifying and fun. Um, and getting into some of that aspect and haven't had access to my, like, any of my music equipment or anything until the last couple of weeks. So there's a part of my sanity that's uh, been held on by a thread. I really need to be creative and get back in, in the zone, you know? Yeah. As we all do. Dan and I were just talking about that. We talked about that for about 30 minutes before we started recording. It's like, dude, it's, I think for people wired like us, it's like a key component to your mental health, dude. Like, right. I got hundred percent, dude. I'm at the point right now where it's like, I got like, I've been, I mean, I've been writing, I've been staying creative. I've been doing my photography and all that shit, but like, it's time to kind of like do We We have to, this shit needs to hurry up <laughs> and settle down a little bit so we right? can get in the studio and make a fucking record. We're, we have so much music. We're so ready to go. It's just the state of the world, you know? Well, and, and, and I mean, did you guys, without diving in too deep, I would imagine most of you like, picked up an instrument for the first time, regardless if it's the one you play now for a living, but you likely, it seems like so many of our peers do that coming from a place of uh, like a, it's our sanctuary. It's our, it is our form of therapy. It is our, the way we cope with the bullshit in life. It's not like, I mean, as with so many artists, even outside of our medium, painters, photographer, filmmakers, actors, comedians, it a lot of time is like almost a coping mechanism, you know, to start you playing music. So when, when that coping mechanism is kind of taken away from us, at least to an extent, you know, um, fuck man, it's been a, a it's been a journey. That's for sure. And I, and you know, we're not alone in it, you know, far too many people can relate. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even, you don't even notice until like you get in a room and play together. Like we did our live stream shows and we hadn't played for probably six months, you know? Brilliant, by the way. Those were brilliant. Thanks, dude. Loved them. They were so good. But yeah, that was worth it, if nothing else, just to get together and be able to play music with somebody, you know, even if it's in a weird situation. But yeah, that's, it's like so, so important for all of us. Right. You don't even realize it until it's gone, you know? 2020 has been like the ultimate teacher. Like I've, I mean, again, Dan and I were talking before this before we hit record but like if there's one thing i'm going to take away from 2020 more than anything else is like holy shit making music has been like my like straight up my fucking medicine my entire adult life my entire teenage life and i still do it all the time but at some point it's like you got to get out of your basement i got to get back on stage doing live streams is great making actual recordings that other people are going to hear like it's come fully to light like holy shit so much right. of my personality was formed because of what i do with my guitar like so much of who i am yeah. is because i make music and dude it's like a key component to my mental health right i i, I mean for me it was like i started playing drums at one of the darkest periods of my life where there was a lot of physical abuse and stuff happening at home with my stepfather and my mom and all this fucking shit that was like the, I I was so like just completely my depression and like 
suicidal thoughts, anxiety, it was taking over my life as a, as a teenager, you know, and, and it was like, I lost my father to suicide when I was 11. So all those crucial years when my stepdad's beating up my mom and shit, and I'm just like feeling like a loser and I'm not worth anything. And I, whatever, all, all I'm doing is skateboarding all day, every day. It was like the one thing that would keep me from literally killing myself was that skateboard and, and just anything I could get out of that. And then I ended up picking up drums to kind of try to take after my father in a positive way. Cause he was a drummer when he was a teenager and man, it was like this high and this everything where I could just, when shit was going down at home and I'm hearing slamming and screaming upstairs, I'd just go beat on my drums, crying and screaming until my hands were bleeding and shit and everything would be better. It'd be okay. And the anger that filled me every fucking day of my life just started to fizzle away. And like, I literally had my fucking face like stuck in like angry face all day, every day. And suddenly it just mellowed out. And then jamming with other musicians got me this fucking high. And then the first time I ever played a little house party, that was unreal where I'd never experienced like that natural high, not to talk about like kind of some cliches, but the only thing I had experienced anything like that was with skateboarding. You know, you do like a big stair gap or you land some new trick and just that rush, that high, everything. Um, and I kind of found literally this new drug that could save me from my depression and anxiety and, and suicidal thoughts. And then that just became therapy, man. Like all of it went away. All those demons went away. I could put it into music and all this shit. And so now for a year where I didn't even have a fucking drum set, man, I was like not prepared for this shit. <laughs> so it was really hard where all that anxiety comes back. The depression comes back, not in, not getting to play shows, not getting to see friends, not getting to do shit. And it was like, fuck, like you just took everything away. Everything that makes me cope, you took away. And luckily I had Danielle because otherwise, fuck, man, it was a dark year, you know? It's it's hard to explain to people. I mean, I I knew a lot of that stuff. I mean, just for being friends over the years, like about, about your upbringing and some of that stuff. I knew that, um, a lot of that, but uh, a couple things. It's super cool that, like, dude, when I think about you, I think about a dude that's super positive. You're super nice. You're so friendly. You're such a people person. And it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, dude. Like, it is therapy, and it obviously fucking worked for you. And, um, you know, my other point is that that everything you just said about how, like, it's therapy for you and all of a sudden, like, you felt good. Dude, that's the thing that's hard to explain to people about what we do. Especially when shit's yeah. bad, it's like, you know, the money fucking sucks when things are going bad. Like, you know, it's like I have moments like that where I'm like, God damn it, I should, I should just fucking get a job in a four hundred one k or or just like stop music and just, I'll, I'll probably never have a job again. But like, I should just do my photography, <laughs> just hang up music because it's too unpredictable, it's too hit and miss, it's too much of a crapshoot. I should just be a real fucking adult and blah blah blah. Don't do but it. But what people. But but listen, but what people don't understand is it for people like us, like uh, and I can just speak directly to you, Brandon. Like it's your fucking therapy, it's your medication, it's your fucking Prozac, it's your right. And it's hard to explain that to people. And it's like, well, well, you know, why don't you just get a job? Blah blah. It's like, well, I could, but the reason I am the person who, like, I am who I am because I fucking need this. Like, you might need medication you might need this blah, blah blah like this is what i need i need to make music i need to be creative or else i am not the ryan you know right right and there's a it's a interesting um 
it's an interesting scenario where when your hobby or your greatest passion also becomes your livelihood, that can be a blessing and a curse. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Where like mm-hmm. that can kind of fuck it up. That politics come into play and, and, and fucking mixed agendas and all this shit. And it can get fucking derailed where all of a sudden this is work. It feels like a fucking job. And some days you don't want to go to work kind of thing. And so I don't think any of us, I, I think this is a humble group right here that appreciates what we do and always have, but like more than ever, it's like, no, bring it back. Like, yeah, sure. It's stressful not knowing where my next paycheck is going to come from, but I don't give a fuck about that. I need my medicine. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I need yeah. to play. The money will fucking come somewhere sometime. I don't give a fuck. Like I, I uh, whatever. But, but to me, it, it became such a greater thing where more than ever, it's like, man, I, this is truly a need for me, not a desire. It's like, it's part of who I am. It feels like that part of me has been resting for far too long and it's ready to fucking get out there and, and sharing that with people. I think you guys would agree is so much a part of it. You know, sure. You can sit in the room and play um, by yourself, maybe even play with some friends and, and write and jam and record, but like sharing it with other people that you connect with, that's like unlike anything and we're so 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 fortunate that we all get to do that and maybe make a living at it like holy shit how mm-hmm. fucking lucky are we man like and <laughs> we've been doing this for almost 20 years like fuck we're lucky lucky bastards yep. but just need our medicine <laughs> yeah i i say it all the time and it sounds like a fucking hokey cliche but like when things are going right and we're swimming along with the current instead of against it and we're playing shows and like i i like I truly feel like fucking the richest dude in the entire world because I I quantify wealth like to me time is wealth like money is not wealth to me like and mm-hmm. you can spend your time doing shit that you love and make money at it like dude it's the most beautiful way by in my opinion by my estimation it's the most beautiful way a human being can live you know and motherfuck dude we know what that's like when you said it's a blessing and a curse. The curse happens when it's taken away and you're like, fuck everything else. Like nothing compares to that. Like nothing compares to being on stage, getting paid to play music that you wrote from your heart, from your heart and soul. And uh, then when you can't do that, you know how good life is like that. That's the curse, you know? Dude, I could tell you for sure that there were plenty of times over the, you know, like 10 solid years where we didn't take a break that I, I would get jaded. We would all get kind of jaded and get worn out and we would take it all for granted. And I remember thinking, like having so many conversations, like with Ryan specifically, you would always say shit like, man, should I just go fucking sell boats and just like do shit on the weekend and not have to worry about all the stress that comes from Brandon? Like you said, the art becoming the job, having to worry about the next paycheck, all, all of the, all the other shit. I did that. I fucking quit my band and got a regular job. <laughs> and you found that. ultimate happiness, right? And did that for like five years. And like for a few years, it, it was cool because it was novel and I was learning a lot like in that new job. And that was cool. But I came to realize that despite being a, a pretty like generally happy, positive, like just optimistic to a fault almost kind of dude, mm-hmm. I finally like was depressed for real for the first time. and. Now, especially after this this year, 
and coming to the realization that I, that I need to be creative in, in a real way that occupies the majority of my time and not being able to for all these different reasons, fuck, dude, it is like goddamn painful, yeah. like physically painful. And I'm even like pretty good at the, at the quarantine shit. Like when it first started, I like, now you're a little kid and everything's like, ooh, what's the biggest this? Ooh, what's the longest that this has ever happened? And it's like, <laughs> as something's like escalating in a way, like you're hearing about like, ooh, what's the biggest earthquake? Ooh, how the biggest fucking hurricane or whatever. And in a weird way, as a kid, you're like, ooh, I wonder if this one's going to be bigger. In my head, in a way, I'm like, shit, what if this goes for like nine months? That would be weird and interesting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and here we are. In the meantime, yeah. I'm like kind of cool at home. It's okay. Like I keep saying this as a joke kind of, but it's true. Like I'm almost like probably a good like fucking space station candidate. Like I'm, I'm probably okay to be in a little space for a long time. But now after all this time and combining it with all that realization, all that shit I just said, God damn, dude. Again, it's like physically painful. It's, there's an interesting, uh, in a weird way, you can find some optimism in it all. I think it's a good, you know, in the very beginning, it was a great reset for our planet, you know, our air quality, our oceans, things were thriving and better than ever. It was a little bit of a, a nice reset for the planet. I think that we could use, I mean, we should do something every 10 years. Everybody should just have to lock down for two weeks <laughs> so that our, our planet can have a breather. Good old fashioned purge. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but then it was like, it's kind of nice because it forced us all regardless who you are to kind of look inward a little bit, I would hope and kind of like take uh, inventory on, on the things that you feel you need, the things that make you happy and bring you joy and your own mental health. And we've all been forced to really address things and find a way to cope and endure and find a way to lift each other up and, and, you know, and unfortunately some things have gotten off track and gone a toxic route and with other people they've thrived and, and some real beautiful things have come from it, you know? So it's, it's tricky, but I mean, if we're trying to look at the bright side and find anything to take from it, I think it's been a good chance where like this conversation, we can take a minute where it's like we got, you know, we got in trouble as a little kid and we're, we got put in time out. We don't get to play with our friends and, go to do what we love, you know, and we got fucking grounded. And in that time, like, fuck, I fucking love my friends. I fucking love what I do for a living. I fucking love like mm -hmm. the things that we didn't even have to take them for granted. And we can still now have a brand new appreciation for what we've got, you know? So, I mean, there's some, I, I mean, if we're grasping at straws, trying to find some good to make of it, I would say that maybe some, <laughs> that's definitely true yeah yeah I, I agree and i think there's going to be some like incredible art created mm -hmm. out of this shit you know and when we can actually play shows again it's gonna like people are gonna lose their fucking minds and it's gonna be the oh, best dude, shit ever we're, <laughs> dude, we're all gonna be so excited we're gonna be like fuck yes dude i i'm i'm good like i do the back post, i'm gonna start doing front flips fucking belly flops <laughs> i'm gonna I, I might i seriously might fucking cry i might i'm gonna do cannonballs <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna lose Dude, my mind. I'm, I'm sure there will be tears, man. The first time getting back on stage, if people are, oh, dude, I get goosebumps just fucking thinking about it. Like, yeah. imagine coming out your opener and fucking like, bam, that first note that like is what we fucking live for, and watching the crowd fucking, <laughs> ah! like, it's gonna be fucking like, oh, dude, I fucking live for that. I live for it. But I'm also trying to be like, all right, shit's fucking weird. 
this might not be an overnight thing where suddenly it's like, hey, guess what, everybody? Headlines. Things are normal again. That might <laughs> yeah. not be the case, you know? <laughs> so it might be something we're easing back into where we're doing a weird fucking version of live shows or smaller or whatever. But either way, man, to just mm -hmm. fucking perform for anybody that's that's feeding off that energy and, and we can all share that again and have that moment together, whether that's fucking 10 people or, or 10,000, I don't care. Like just want that interaction and that there's a energy, there's a vibration, there's something that we all feel, whatever you want to call it. And mm -hmm. fuck, I live for it. And fuck, I need it, man. I need it for sure. Hey, Brandon, yeah. if, if we go, if we go back, if we go back to Australia, cause you, cause your band doesn't, uh -huh. do you want to come <laughs> with us and just hang out? Please, fuck, please. Oh yeah, I don't. I want to. You don't even have to drum tech. You can just hang out. I'll drum tech. I'll drum tech, dude. I'll, well, we both know how good I am at setting up a kit, especially now. Uh, I mean, we'll have to bring somebody else with you. <laughs> I mean, we'll bring a drum tech, drum tech, but still, I'll wear the name uh. tag. And I'll stand there next to you and fucking like this is this is my tech Brandon. This is his tech. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's your, here's the drum tech Brandon. Here's the guy that set up the drums. Yeah, just give me just like give me a thumbs <laughs> yeah. up during the show. Looks good. Yeah, like you're doing great, man. It'd be like fucking 2003 Warp Tour all over yeah. again, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, you you used to come up and play something with us, I didn't played, you? Uh, yeah, I played only like once. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, he did in the in shadows. The shadows. Yeah, I was like, yeah, boom, 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 boom. and then Dan would talk. Yeah, he's got a and we switch. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I said. For those that can't see, uh, I'm holding up a microphone like a hardcore kid. Yeah, but yeah, and then I jumped in there. I was super fucking nervous, and then I was like, oh, dude, it's just like when I recorded this in the studio. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never played in front of a crowd that big before, right? Yeah, I just, I just uh, hadn't played. I just hadn't played Story of the Year songs in front of a crowd yet. I haven't since we made the record. So. Ah, <laughs> so good. Oh, it's good. Never gets old. Never gets old. We've been making that joke for like 19 years now, yeah. I believe. Well, yeah. it was yeah. it was so written funny. about so many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The press started making the joke, and we just <laughs> we just went with board. it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, Brandon. What what uh, year did you join Rancid? I know it's been like 15 years or something now, hasn't it? 2006. I'm on year 14. Damn. Um, which here's the the weird part to me, dude. This blows my mind because to me in my head, Brett Reed, good friend of mine, I still think of him as the drummer of Rancid. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's he's the original drummer. And it, well, I still think I still think of you as the drummer of the use. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah, it so. kind of works that way too. <laughs> but like the weird thing is he was in the band for 14 years. And so I've now been in the band as long as he was. That's fucking crazy. And that blows my mind. I, I still, to me, all the respect, all the credit still goes to him. I, I Regardless of what others might say one way or another, that's how I always feel because, you know, the, my favorite Rancid records aren't ones I played on because that's <laughs> just me, you know? Like, that's not Rancid that I grew up loving. Yeah, it's that's a different the perspective. Band I'm in, and they just seem like different bands to me, you know? And so when I get to play those songs live and all that stuff, like I feel like I'm always trying to do, you know, do good by Brett Reed and, and do good by the, the roots band and stuff and just make it come to life and maybe even add a little new energy to it and excitement. But, um, otherwise to me, my hat's off to them where it's like, if I meet 
like a fan and it was anywhere. And they're like, oh, I'm such a big Rancid fan. To me, it's more like a, yeah, I can relate. You know? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, right? Like, <laughs> I don't feel like they're talking about me and the, the work I do. I feel like they're talking about a band that we both have in common that we're passionate about and we love, you know? So it's, it's weird. I don't know if or when that will change, but it hasn't in 14 years. I still think of it as an incredible, you know, monster that was created before I had anything to do with it. And I'm just here to try not to fuck it up. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's how I feel when I play Page Avenue songs with you. Like right? Brandon, like he wrote this like <laughs> drum part and it's like, <laughs> I really got to live up to it. <laughs> I mean, even though this is the same part as that used song, I still want to play it the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> We all know Feldman programmed both those records. Don't lie. Yeah, right. You guys didn't play yeah. shit. Yeah, you know, copy and paste fucking played that record for Josh <laughs> after Beat Detective played it for me. <laughs> yeah, we just took uh, your tracks from your record and just rearranged a couple things and right? it was easy. It was fine. Hey, same, same snare drum, same drum set. Mark blew it. That part is true. All they did to make it sound different was they took off the drum doctor thing. So it just went back to like, not gritted, so it wasn't quite as good. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Josh. No, it's totally fine. That sounds all sloppy, like Josh. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah, sounds like a nerd played it. These guys' lives sound just like their record. Really tight guitars, great vocals, kind of loose, wild drums. It's fucking perfect. Hey, at least you said. At least you said you're wild. You got them wild wow. drones. You wilding out. I'm trying to think of something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> hey, Brandon, can I ask you kind of a touchy question? Please. All right. When you listen to that, you know, those early used records, like, are you able to listen to that stuff now? Or are you like at peace with all that shit now? Is it weird? No, you know, those have always been like, I'm in love with those records. I've I've never taken a break from them. They mean more to me than most anything on this planet, for sure. Um I have nothing but positive memories about those experiences. Even the bad times, I still like romanticize. Like I remember shit wasn't fucking great all the time. There was dysfunction. There were fucking dramas, you know, mm-hmm. but fuck were they great. You know, it was like the bad times were great. It was like, are you kidding? We're a fucking like, we were the first signed band in our state's history. We did something no one ever thought we could fucking do. And we were told was impossible and we helped pioneer like this genre, you guys, all of our peers, like, dude, we were a part of something special that we all helped create, you know? And, yeah, man. and, and it was like to do what we did and have like ill feelings about that because I got fired like for the dumbest fucking shit ever. <laughs> it, that's, that's stupid. You know, like that would be a waste. And so to me, it's like, I have no ill feelings toward any of that. I, I just, I fucking love those records. And I mean, there's a lot people don't know. Maybe you guys don't even know. Josh might know it a little bit, but, um, but man, like Quinn and so for anybody that doesn't know, like we were starting to just kind of have a little bit of distance between us as things went on. Our band started with like three sober guys and a guy that had just come out of, um, rehab and stuff when was coming off meth. And so Bert was just kind of, partying mildly, smoking weed, drinking and stuff like that. But at least he wasn't using needles and, and things that could really hurt him. And so that seemed like a very good thing. And then you fast forward and, you know, we had some good luck and sold a good chunk of records and 
and started to blow up and it just kind of changed and became like three party guys and one sober guy. And that just started to create a wall between us that should have never happened. Quinn and I have had so many heart to heart conversations. I love that guy. He's my brother. I'd take a bullet for him. But unfortunately, he was in a bad place in 2006 and late 2005, where a lot of things were getting, things were just catching up to him. I should say kind of getting caught up in some things. And then um, I think his partying and stuff like that, he was feeling like guilt with my presence and being a sober guy. And there was just a lot of, I don't know, a lot going on with it all. But in the end, Quinn's the one that fired me because he said that they wanted someone that would party with them and that I was too different, you know, and that completely broke my heart. I, I had started our band. I had named our band. I produced all of our demos that got assigned. I wrote our set lists. I fucking did all of our business. I fucking like, that was like my pet project. That was our band. I can't take the credit away from the guys at all, but, but musically, I mean, writing and stuff, Quinn and I wrote all of that shit together. You know, we were the key writers. And so it really changed the dynamic of everything when they took that element out. And so it was like, you know, um, a really, really painful thing to go through. But uh, fast forward a couple years and him and I reconnected and it was water under the bridge and it was all good. And I love the guy. And now we've been making music together and doing a lot of things together. And I fucking love him so much. And we actually were trying to get the band back together when they fired him. And that whole ugly story, um, he was just trying to take a break from touring because he needed a break. And he taught the replacement guy all the songs and stuff like that. And then they announced on Facebook that they parted ways with him and wished their best. And that was how he found out he wasn't in the band. And it was like, what the fuck? And so him and I were trying to get the original lineup back together and do like this tour where one night we'd play our first record, second night we'd play the second record and do like a rad thing like that and then make a new record. And then they fucking fired him. And me and Jeff and Bert had been cool for years. Um, everything was all good. But then because they know I've been making music and doing stuff with Quinn, now no one talks to me again. And I think that's kind of a guilty by association. I think until they're all cool, I think I'm not <laughs> as because I'm friends with the guy that fired me. So go figure. I don't know. But God. I have no ill feelings at all toward any of them. I'm, I they were all my brothers and had some of the best memories of my life together. So um, I would just love to see us be able to come together and do some shit. But, you know, until they can all figure out how to get over this shit, might not ever happen. I don't know. Well, we've talked a lot on, on the podcast with a lot of people about, you know, being in a band is, is difficult. Relationships with a band guys, right. it's, it's hard. You know, we've had our, our share of similar things as well. And it's fucking, it's, it's not an easy thing. People don't always understand that. I remember getting that phone call from you. To this day, I can picture where I'm standing. I'm standing in outside of a venue in Canada and you called me and you were like, yeah, so I just got fired from the used. And I was like, what? Yeah. It was the weirdest fucking feeling I've ever had in my life. It was like we all got kicked out of the used too. <laughs> I mean, it was Cause weird. Cause we've like, always been the closest with Brandon. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's just, all, it's always been a super close relationship. And it's just, and it was like, you told me that. I was like, H how? how? How does that even happen? And it, it was the weirdest thing. I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Like just knowing you as a person and knowing how um, 
important like an integral you were to that band in those early years like i was like i don't know i understand how that happens it's so it was so bizarre it was the weirdest phone call and i kind of got off the phone and i went well that's odd (laughs) and i I went and told the rest of them and they were like what (laughs) like it was just the weirdest thing i said it's about fucking time (laughs) <laughs> guy's an asshole but it's cool because like little did brandon know that we had sent quinn their first record right like we we, right. we sent them their record and then they wrote our first record so that's right. what people don't know is like that you guys actually were longtime friends even before all this we stole your demos and made our first record and you're like fuck now we got to write a second record and that was your first record yeah that's the real truth so thanks for thanks for our career when we were talking about you you're writing uh, being influential with that first record and stuff that was a huge the used first record was yeah as much as we joke about you know how you guys write it and it sounds similar to page avenue because we recorded in the same fucking room and stuff but uh we would definitely not have made page avenue at all the mm-hmm. way we did without that first used record it was very influential on us yeah, for sure because we were right there in that same scene you know yeah us and the entire scene and dude uh, i just want to back up like five minutes real quick i dude i i feel like it's must be said that I think it's a such an epic testimony to your character, man, that you feel the way you do. And after all that, you're just like, you know what? Even the bad times were good. I'm grateful for it. Like your attitude towards all that is so the epitome of like the fucking high road. And it's oh, dude, man, it's thank you. so dope. It's so dope to hear, man. You know, that's right. It's um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly awesome to hear you know i appreciate that and then just to piggyback on dan like for sure that first used record oh i mean yeah we recorded with the same producer in the same room with the same drum set the same guitar head the same fucking same guitars same, same management same, same, yeah. literally same lawyer same manager same, it's like literally same everything um but all that aside like for sure that first used record a hundred percent influenced our first record and dude hundreds if not thousands of bands across the fucking world and in that genre like story of the year and the used like definitely like helped bring a genre mainstream like for sure we played like our roles you know it's it's not like we were nirvana we didn't invent grunge or anything but like to a certain extent like we played a significant role in like bringing a genre to the you know to the mainstream of like the zeitgeist you know i agree i remember like you, I don't remember when it was while we were recording Page Avenue. I remember you guys, you came over with maybe Bert or so. I don't remember who it was, but I remember them like, like Feldman was like playing stuff that we recorded and being like, I wonder, I wonder what they think about it. You know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it was just like that, like almost like a, like a big brother band of like, yeah. okay, yeah. you did your, you did everything we're currently doing. Like yeah. we were hoping to have the success that you guys were currently starting to have. Yeah, at that point. I mean, it was it was one of those weird like feelings of like, oh man, I hope they like it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's weird. It was a yeah. weird like thing being you know early twenties like looking up to people that were only like a couple years older than you, but like <laughs> just kind of going, oh, I hope I hope they're I hope they're into it too. You know? And mm-hmm. then like we yeah. got that like first tour offer of like the used thrice. Mike him us wow. i was like oh okay <laughs> what a tour too man can you imagine Jesus. that tour with all the original lineups right now like dude yeah. arenas dude. arenas everywhere it'd be so dude. fun and and look like 
I I had a, my own feelings, maybe different from my bandmates about all of that. But the minute I met all of you guys, we hit it off so much. And I mean, I, I felt like all of us were just cut from the same cloth, even more so than our peers and bands. But like, I remember Dan and I would always joke about how we felt like brothers because like, fuck, we had like, I don't remember, there was something about like our tattoos or something. And there was yeah. all this shit about us that was almost exactly alike. I don't remember what other dots and parallels we. Well, I was I was the like, straight edge dude then, so you know you didn't drink, still don't, but yeah. So we yeah. had that in common. We both had like the microphone tattoo. We just had like a bunch of shit. And we, when yeah. I was a former drummer, yeah, we just and just skaters and and you know I mean there was yep. just so much of our roots that we all had in common that you were, it felt like we all grew up together. So to me, it was like fuck yeah, like my friends are fucking killing it, you know, and and I loved seeing you guys like dude like. Feldman, before we linked up with them, all he had done at that point producing was Mest and Show Off, which were basically like Goldfinger. It was all the yeah. Goldfinger tones and yep. that vibe and just kind of this like ska punk kind of thing and whatever, or, or just more of a poppy kind of punk. But so he had only done like this little stuff. He was a green producer. Warner Brothers was trying to get us not to use him. It turned into all this drama business that they that management handed the fucking... <laughs> the mic to me to handle. So I had to call Tom Wally, the president and be like, yo, look, we'll sign with you, but you got to take care of Feldman. And he was like, we will, we will. And I was like, okay, but you need to convince him that so that he'll tell me that then we're good. <laughs> and that was literally the phone call we had the night we agreed to sign to Warner was I, me telling the president of Warner that until I heard from John Feldman himself, that he felt like he was going to be taken care of by Warner brothers we couldn't sign with them. And Feldman called me like 15 minutes later and is like, I don't know what you just did, but we're all good. Like everything's all good. <laughs> He's like, fuck yeah. Like that's our team. These are our people, you know? Like, and so we just had this new like family that was fucking John Reese, Paul Gomez, Eric Greenspan, you know, like the, the Warner world and, and all of this stuff. And, and of course Feldman as like all of our like extra band member kind of thing. But when he like everything worked so well with what we were doing and it was a little skeptical because I don't know if you guys had seen anything, but like rolling into his house to record me like, oh, this is where <laughs> we're making a record. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> my my ride symbols almost bumping your elbow, man, yeah. like while you're engineering. Like it's going to turn like, up the fader, man. <laughs> right? Like it was weird. It was like shit. And my room mic is a like a 52 in your shower down the yeah, hall, down like, the hall. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. it was just like, whatever, like a leap of faith. And so since he was still in that groove, like what did we expect? You know, when he found, you know, there was this new thing that we were doing and there were other bands like us. So when it came time to make your record, of course it was all like the same shit, because if it's not yeah. broke, don't fix it. And yep. it was like, yep. while that was a service and or a disservice to you guys, and you might've taken some shit for it. You had a fucking incredible sounding record that sold more than our record quicker than our record. <laughs> so anybody that thinks you bid off it, you fucking did it better than us. So fuck those people. <laughs> and I remember when you guys got a gold record, I was so fucking proud of you guys. And it was just like, I felt like it was like my brothers fucking just doing so well. And I, I don't know. I, I never understood any of the negativity that might've come from my bandmates at the time about that. Cause it's like, are you kidding? this is our family. Like, why would we, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I fucking hate a competitive vibe between bands. 
Like when has it's a, fucking childish? Yeah. It, it, it right? doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve a good purpose. Like I, I remember having conversations with you when all that stuff was going on and you being like so bummed that that stuff was happening. And it was just like, well, I don't know. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Our band is doing what it's doing. <laughs> and okay. As long, yeah. as long as like my friend, like my friendship with you, like me, I, I'm just speaking personally. My friendship with you was never like tarnished by that. You have always been the most supportive person right. that I've ever had. Like outside of my band is like far as like a person in the industry. So it's like, that's awesome. As long as I can have a conversation with you and we're all good, I'm okay. Yeah. Everybody else, it's just a, I think it's a weird being younger and younger is the key word, man. A a younger, like jealousy thing almost. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, it's a, it's like a younger. Who's laughing now? The younger ones. Fuck. It's It's a younger, it's a younger jealousy thing of like, when you're young, you don't know how to handle that. And like, yeah, yeah. Your record came out before ours, but ours went gold before yours. But like, oh well, you guys, yeah. st- you guys had better fucking merch and sold more merch than we did. <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? You probably yeah. made more money than we did, even though we had a gold record. I, it, you know, it's just weird bullshit, you know? So yeah. then you got a bunch more gold records, more than us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, at the time, yeah. like, it was yeah, so yeah. short sighted, all of it. I actually think they all went gold around the same time, right? Ours was almost exactly a year after. Yeah. It was but right I just remember there. it being like a thing. And I I didn't see how it wasn't a good thing. Like, you know, guys being like, Bleh, when they'd walk past it in Feldman's <laughs> house, I'm like, and I would have to speak up, like, fucking really, dude? Like, those are our friends. Like, you know, but it was also like this competitive vibe where it's like you're fucking good friends until they start to do as good as you or heaven forbid they start to do better than you. If your opening band is suddenly you could be opening for them, like that's the worst thing that could happen. It's like, <laughs> how the fuck is that a thing? Like, I remember you guys went on toward Lincoln Park and that seemed like such a fucking great thing for you guys because your live show went from being great to fucking like phenomenal like you guys you grew a lot in that tour and so did your band you guys were exposed to a new crowd and you fucking blew the fuck up rightfully so and the same thing happened with my chemical romance they were touring with us tons every tour we did we'd take them out and then they finally broke away from us and toured with green day their show got phenomenal because if there's a great band you can learn from it's fucking green day and like so suddenly they got exposed to a much I never, never heard of it. Never heard of it. I'll, I'll send you a tape. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but, but it was like they just learned so much and applied it. They were exposed to a different audience, and they blew the fuck up. And I, to me, it's like, how can you be anything but stoked for these guys? That's amazing. And I just hated to see people like, about that kind of shit. It just yeah. I don't know, really took the wind out of my sails, so to speak. It's Yeah. It, you know, another thing with like touring with like bands like that, like Linkin Park, Green Day, stuff like that, you, you learn a lot. Like, yeah, absolutely. Not just like stage wise, but like Linkin Park, as big as they were. I mean, we went on tour with Linkin Park and fucking Meteora, their second record, the biggest that they've ever been. And they were the coolest people you could ever, like, you, you expect that you hear stories of like, oh, well, that band's huge, and they were dicks, and they were entitled. They were not yeah. like that. And, yeah. like, they told us they learned that shit from Metallica. Nice. They went on tour with Metallica and saw how Metallica operated. And it was like, 
yeah, we're huge, but we're still dudes and we're in bands yeah. and it's like everybody, it's respect all around. So like yeah. people that don't take that lesson, like it's, it's, it's an odd thing when you, you see those bands that are like kind of in that, in that realm of like, oh, we're, we're too big for our britches kind of thing. Yeah. And they right? act like that. But it's also like, dude, when you're 22. Hey, riff, riff on it for a sec. I got to pee. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll keep talking. You're I good. I, go pee. I drank way too much water and now I got to pee. I'm sorry. I already Hang disappeared on. in the middle and peed. I think do dude, it. You're, enti- you're entitled. You can go. We'll allow it. I do think a lot of that really can be chalked up to just being a dumbass fucking kid full for of passion. Sure. 100%. When you're 22, it's like you're, especially us, and I, I know for the used, like, dude, that's like all we had is our band. We all gave yeah. up on college. We all gave up on fucking literally everything except for our band. And you're 22, and you're just full of all this fucking hormones and passion and shit. And the the reason I can say that, you know, um, with a massive amount of, uh, you know, confidence is because, dude, the use now, like, I don't know if that's weird for Brandon here or whatever, but, like, whenever we see them now at flyouts and festivals and shit like that, they're... Like, so much time has passed. We all have so much perspective. We're older. Like, they're the fucking raddest dudes ever. Like, I yeah. absolutely love talking to Bert now. Like, when I see Bert, it's, like, one of the highlights of, like, the Back to the Beach thing or yeah. music, whatever. Like, it's seriously the best part of my whole day is, like, talking to Bert. He's, like, a completely fucking different human yeah, being. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's, it's it's perspective and time. Like, yeah. when back in mid-2000s, it was a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying that's, like, I think a lot of that... Not to like, you know, make excuses for, you know, certain members of that band or anything like that. Like, I'm not really making excuses. I'm just saying like time does its fucking thing, dude. You get perspective. You you, you get older and you just realize like, oh, that's, that was dumb. That was fucking stupid. I, dude, I, I, I could talk right now until fucking midnight tomorrow about all the dumb shit that I did and said oh, when I was all, a kid. I mean, we all could. You know? like, I mean, shit, you just... too? <laughs> no, every, every decision we ever made was the right, perfect one. What are you talking about? <laughs> we never were ever wrong. Yeah, Dude, yeah. The, the time thing, the thing about time and the way it changes perspective, when you're that age, it's so much about time scale. So talking about being short-sighted about things and Brandon, you know, saying that your album went gold like right after ours. If we had any of us had just taken a breath for like a few months and realized, oh, this is these few months aren't shit. We're young ass people. We're living longer lives in these moments that we're that we're all caught up in. But at that age, you're just barely out of the time in your life where like a summer feels like years. You know what I mean? Like you've only been on the earth such and such number of years or days total. So you're just looking at stuff in a different time scale. So it's hard to even process that shit Mm -hmm. to literally even you're incapable your brain is incapable of processing shit differently unless you're blessed with like the fucking the wisest parents of all time and you you happen to be the wisest fucking child of all time that actually listens and yeah yeah. wise child everything's the fucking end of the world when you're that young yeah and to dumb it down even more when you're that young being cool is like fucking everything especially in like the this emerging screamo fucking scene we just wanted to be fucking cool and everyone just wanted to be cool and now i now it's like five records later who gives a fuck like truly like yeah. all of it, all the ba- like even the used this day and it, like no one fucking cares about any of that anymore we're just happy that we get to fucking play you know like no yeah. one gives a fuck well, we talked about last week we kind of outlived the the scene that we were in at the time and we're still a band through it you know and now it's kind of cool mm-hmm. again but you know we we were part of a thing that that was very just like happening at that moment 
we lived through it, made more records, different, changed sounds a little bit, you know, and now not everything's about just like that one tiny thing. It's just about making yeah. awesome music and continuing to be a band however you can and, you know, kicking ass. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like we'd be fools to go into this career or this um, industry even assuming it was going to last, you know, <laughs> yeah. I remember it was like the minute I got a record contract was like, holy shit. Like, all right, first of all, everyone said this was impossible. So just because we made it happen, the fuck makes me think I will be doing this for five years or 10 years. So it was like always all about like living for the day, but trying to take into account the future. And that was kind of the role I played was like, it was like, all right, I want to make the best of today, but I want to make decisions that can make today also be like tomorrow. And cause today is awesome. I'm playing drums with my friends for a living, like getting a paycheck and traveling the world, meeting awesome people. And so it was like trying to just take steps where it was like, how can I make this last a long time? Cause this is awesome. And then that was the bummer part. It was like by making those choices, ultimately that's what landed me losing my job. Like, <laughs> okay. So I, so I had the complete yeah. opposite reaction or the complete opposite mindset. I thought, oh, we got our record deal. We're making records. This is going to last for fucking ever. Really? I thought I, did, I, I had no thought of tomorrow. It was just yeah. today, today, today. This is going to last for fucking ever. I can spend as much money as I want. I can do whatever I want because I could not have had a more uh, different, different reaction than you, you know, or a different mindset. We were fucking stupid. Well, we really all stupid. kind of yeah. thought that. I mean, musically, we always had the long term approach. We're like, yeah, we want to fucking write the best shit we can and you know hopefully be a band for as long as you can but we wouldn't have thought that 20 years later we would you know we could still yeah. possibly be doing what we're doing yeah. and talking to you still you know after 20 almost 20 years that is a hard thing to fathom especially when you're only 20 years old that's twice as long you know it's like what yeah so yeah well it was like the same long shot that you always heard about getting a record contract as soon as you had one i feel like at least what i was hearing was like you had the same long shot chance of having a 10 year career. Yeah. That was like oh, yeah. that one in a million chance where it's like, fuck 10 years. Isn't very long. I'm 23 years old or whatever, you know? And it was like, Jesus. All right. I didn't go to school. I'm a dropout. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. what am I going to do in my thirties? Like, so it was like, how do I, <laughs> I want to make strong bridges and, and strong ties with people and, and, you know, and, and have a support system. I want to be able to do this shit, whether I'm, and that was where I thought maybe producing and maybe, different elements of the industry might come into play and songwriting, scoring films, things that I love to do. Um, but, and would love to do. Um, yeah, man, you fucking never know. It's a trip. But that, I think that's that mindset. Um, you know, you've always been amazing at like, you're one of the few people that I know that like are excellent networkers that don't that, but, but you don't network. Like, no. let me articulate this better. <laughs> you're a professional networker without any of the douchebaggery associated with like quote unquote networking. <laughs> you're just a rad dude that everyone wants to be around. And that's why you're in fucking rant. I mean, you're a fantastic drummer and everything, but that's why like your whole attitude and your whole thought process, your whole career, that's why you're in fucking ranted in oh, one of man. the most influential fucking punk rock bands of all time, because <laughs> you have that mindset, dude, you know, well, thank you. Yep. Thank this you. is what it is. Brandon likes something. He buys it, gives it all the props, and then the company goes, "Ah, oh, he's in Rancid. Here you go. <laughs> oh, dude, Brandon, Brandon. I don't know how many times Josh has like, sent me a screenshot or a text. 
and be like, uh, Brandon's got this fucking dope Yeti cooler, or he's got this uh, this uh, this bike, or this uh, fucking like literally a hundred different things. And I'm just like, damn. You know how much money you've cost Josh in in your life? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was just thinking, like, because uh, you know, especially like, say, say maybe like, uh, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago. It's like Rance is not doing like super long tours. They're not like busy year round. So I just not have this all. image of you when you're not on tour with Rancid, just like sitting in front of your computer, it's like, hmm, what kind of dope free shit can I get today? And just like figuring out how to get it, you know? And it just makes me smile to think about look, it. Like, look, no, that's... <laughs> we know that's not how it really are, works, but that is how it seems. Me. You're killing me. No, that's yeah. the thing. I, I mean, if you guys know that I'm, I don't fucking do anything lightly. Um, when I get into something, I get really into something. If, if it's a fucking TV show, if it's a, of whatever. I mean, anything I enjoy, I really fucking dive into. And I think there's a lot of like poor kid mentality growing up with very, very little. And so materialistic things just never meant anything to me and I never had them. So now as an adult and working hard and, and making a few bucks now and then it's like, I, I like it cause it's fun to have things, but they also don't define me. They don't, I own shit. It doesn't own me kind of thing where it can all go away and that's fine. It's like they're, they're perks for now. But because of that, if I do love something, if I stumble over a, a, a thing that I just think is rad, it becomes like a passion. It's, it's silly, but it's like, I appreciate like people who give a shit about what they do. And if what yeah, you man. give a shit about is creating like this, fucking you joked about yeti if if you give a shit and you create this fucking cooler who would have thought a cooler would ever be something fucking cool or of value you know what i mean and (laughs) and it's like but if you give a shit enough and you create this thing that kind of reinvents the wheel in your world that deserves some fucking credit and respect and to me that's like that's fucking cool and the people behind a company like that are probably fucking clever cool like you know, I'd love to be inside that head and know like, you know, cause they're doing cool shit and changing things. And so then suddenly I find myself reaching out to people or, or a lot of the times it's like, it, it rarely happens. Usually it's like Josh said, like I'll get by something because I like it. And I back that, whatever it may be, if it's a fucking GoPro or something, like I'll purchase my shit cause I love it. But then I'll let it be known that I found this cool thing. Cause there might be somebody else like me that would enjoy that thing that might maybe don't know about it yet. You know, maybe GoPro's not a good example for that. Like <laughs> Brandon, did you invent influencer culture? <laughs> you're, you're the inventor of this. But dude, I'm like, I'm so not a fan of that shit. I'm not going to like the unboxing and all this yeah. weird shit. That's a thing now. Like I never would want to be like an influencer, but at the same time, I just appreciate people that do cool shit. And I enjoy sharing that with others because they might enjoy it. And so it lands me in some cool relationships where I've met some amazing people and I'm not like in all these contracts with companies where I'm obligated to do shit. Like I would never do that. That's not my thing. Like even all of our drum endorsers, I don't have fucking contracts with people. I just love the products and shit they make. I love to use it and I'll let people know what I use. Cause if you don't know what that snare sounds like and what it is, I'll tell you. And I don't want to feel like I'm pouring out someone's fucking company because I'm sharing that information. But like, Share the wealth, you know. If you know of some cool shit, tell people. So mm-hmm. it just kind of lands me in 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 uh, 
fortunate situations a lot with awesome relationships with people. No, let it <laughs> yeah. be known that when I tell like these dudes about like what Brandon's doing, it's never Brandon contacted so-and-so cause he wanted this. No, it's like Brandon went and bought this. <laughs> Loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, tweeted yeah. Tweeted about it and Instagrammed about it, and the company said, "Oh, Brandon, what do you want? Here you go." <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I remember. I remember. Um, and that's great. It I, is. I remember, <laughs> and it makes sense. You know, whenever you say it. Like, during, oh. during our hiatus, when we went away for some years, just being like, money was so fucking tight. You know, money's tight, dog. Money, money is tight. tight. Uh, <laughs> money's so tight. Like, I, I remember I was shoot like photographing a wedding you know, to supplement my income, whatever. And then Josh sent me a picture of you in this like fucking massive wakeboarding boat. And I was just like, <laughs> wow, our situations could not be more different right now. You know, I don't know if Brandon wants to tell the story, but Brandon went a totally different route than what you would expect to do. If you got kicked out of a band, you just bought like everything. Yo, you know what I did? I, I fucking bought an, a boat I couldn't afford when I got kicked out of the use because I was like, fuck it. You know, I just had this like, <laughs> fuck it mentality. It was like a divorce or a breakup that, but that fucked your career, which isn't usually the case, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. it was like, all right, everything I've worked for and my way of coping and choosing survival just got fucking pulled out from under me. Everything I believed in, all my passion, all my love, everything I put into this shit just got taken away from me because I've tried to be a good person because I not only like the substances are a fucking fraction of it. Who gives a fuck about any of that stuff? And that was the d really disheartening part is I don't give a fuck. My best friend was dropping acid when we were 12, you know, like it's never been a self-righteous thing to me. The one thing that ever even pushed me to ever be vocal about sobriety and my choice to live a sober lifestyle was simply because cliches bother me. You know, and we were getting all these fucking write-ups about being this fucking partier band and all this shit. And it was like, it started out as being like a Mormon band or whatever bullshit they'd throw at us because we were from Utah. And then suddenly the more Bert would be wacky and do some fucking stupid shit. Suddenly we'd all be land lumped in with that, that we were just like this partier fucking wild band. And it's like, fuck man, can't I just be me? Like, why do I have to be like the Mormon dude because I'm from Utah or the fucking partier guy because I'm in a band with Bert? Like, and so I just started being vocal because I liked the idea of being an example because I didn't know of any growing up other than like straight edge bands. But like I didn't know of like people that really broke the kind of like rock and roll stereotype, so to speak, where it was just sex, drugs and rock and roll. And it's like, fuck, like. You know, I, I, I was, I didn't fuck around. I was very in a monogamous relationship my whole career and then married to that girl. And everyone was like, what's up Spike? All of this stuff, you know, <laughs> right. Shout out to Spike, Shout out. My, my best friend. And, uh, and you know, so it was just, to me, it was more about letting people know there is another option. You don't, it's not like you have to live a certain way to be in this industry, but at the same time, if you want to do it, do it. I don't give a fuck, you know? And, and, um, so yeah, I think it was kind of breaking out from some of that shit. So you're not like pigeon held into some bullshit, but Oh, back to the fucking, the stupid ass boat splurging. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Back to my boat. <laughs> but hey, no, no, hold like, on. First of all, that's a boat once removed now. Uh, Twice removed. Twice? <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? What are you talking so you about? You sold it to somebody you third, knew? He's on his third boat is what that means. 
Yes. But here's the thing. I don't even own one so, boat. Dude, get that. <laughs> I don't even own a boat. I don't even own a boat rack. <laughs> Let alone mini boats that would necessitate an entire rack. Y'all don't own one kookaroo. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Little story. When I was in high school, okay, I got kicked out of my high school and had to go to like the bad kids' school, um, and that's where I ended up dropping out. Before Badass. I dropped out, we had this day. This is before like the secret and all that shit came out and whatever, but. We had this day where in a class they made us do dream boards and they were like, write a list of like 15, 20 things that you want in life, whether they're like goals or materialistic shit, but be specific, like fucking write a list of all the shit you want and then put photos of all that shit on the same board, hang it somewhere you'll see it every day and that will come true in 10 years or less. And it was an assignment. I had to do it. I'm like, fuck off, whatever. And so I literally do like there was a specific Zildjian symbol I wanted at the time. I fucking put a picture of that, specified it, a fucking... And a custom crash? It was, actually. <laughs> and, uh, uh. and then I wanted a hi-hat stand. For some reason, I was in love with Isuzu Rodeos, those cars back in, like, little SUV thing. Oh, Rodeo? In the 90s. <laughs> yeah, Dave Ballard, what up? Shout out. Yeah, what's up, Dave? Shout out to Dave Ballard, got his shit stolen. <laughs> but, like, there was just, like, this list. I wanted a house. I, it was, like, marry a cool girl, like, all this stuff. And then do it. I was, I was 17 at the time. And I remember when I was like 25, 26 and had bought my first house and I'd gotten married right then. Oh yeah. It was right around my marriage. Cause I had my first house. Um, I had bought my first car, which was a Honda passport, which was Honda's version of the Isuzu rodeo. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, w- I realized I stumbled over that fucking dream board and I was like, Holy shit. Every single thing on that list came true. And even even more, like not only did I get that fucking Zildjian symbol, I'm a fucking Zildjian endorser. I was on a fucking box. You know what I mean? It was you like, were. You had you had that box set. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Dreams do come true. Dude, <laughs> yeah. For real. For real. And then like it just kind of like instilled this idea in me that it's like fuck fear, fuck like worrying about money, fuck worrying about like all this shit. Just fucking work hard have your goals in mind all the time. And it's kind of like setting your GPS for that fucking like destination, whatever your fucking goals are. And although it might be a windy fucking street with some roadblocks and detours, fuck it. Just keep your GPS set and you'll fucking get there. Like you'll fucking get there. And so to me now it's like, yeah, fuck them. They fired me. Fuck them. Fuck them. And I didn't even want to be in the music industry industry anymore. Cause I was like, fuck that. If my label producer management, everyone's going to not have my back through some bullshit like that. Fuck them. That's not something I want to be a part of. But then I had this great support system. People like you guys, people like Max Weinberg, who was calling me every day and giving me like pep talks and shit. Who, oh, like, who's Max Weinberg? Um, Jay Weinberg's dad. Hey, if, oh. hey, hey, Brandon, Brandon, if you look under your desk, Max Weinberg's name's on the ground. You want to go ahead and pick that up? Oh, shit. Hang on. My bad. I dropped something. Hey, again. pick that name up. I dropped something when Josh when I were talking earlier. Too. I keep dropping shit. Hey, he dropped a name board that said Trey Cool. He dropped it, but then he had to pick it up. My bad. I'm always dropping shit. It's fine because you're, you're the thing is you're, you're friends with these people, so it doesn't matter. I just fuck with you because it's funny. It still feels like name dropping, though. Hey, can I say something? Please, wait, no, we didn't get no. to. Wait, wait, we got. He's got. Let him finish the story. He hasn't got to the boat part yet. <laughs> Well, I was about to say, I'm disappointed. I thought you were going to say that on your dream board, you had three boats. <laughs> <laughs> but fucking, you said all this other shit. That so. would have been I weird. Did. Dude, when I was fucking 
when this all happened and I had the realization, I made a new dream board. I shit you not. And I fucking put a boat on it. I put some ridiculous shit. And dude, within like two years, I had that I had to throw that one away. I had all this shit. And it's not <laughs> about like it's not about the superficial shit, like the materialistic shit at all, because there's other shit like whether, you know, personal goals and things like that that were achieved that just don't sound as cool to fucking share. But um it's just more about that determination and that drive and fucking the fear. And like when I got fired and it was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to my life, nothing. But I was like, you know, what sounds really fun learning to wake surf and fucking playing on the lake all day, every day. And for a fucking two months, all I did was go wake surfing six days a week, unemployed, no idea what I was going to do in life. Didn't even want to look at a drum set because I was like, fuck that. Fuck all this shit. And then sure enough, like I started playing again, like, all right, all right, summer's over. I need to fucking figure life out again. Started playing drums and, you know, the story kind of picks up from there. And, and, uh, but it just, it works out, man. it's like right now, like, fuck it. I don't know what I'm doing, man. I, I'm my last show I played was October, 2019. And it's fucking scary. Like it's fucking mm-hmm. scary. I don't know when I'm going to work again. And it's like, do I go get a day job in this fucking little town? Do I, like, I'm like, <laughs> fuck. I don't know. Like I trying to figure life out, but then again, who isn't? So it's like, are we alone in that? No, we're fucking all in it. So fuck the fear and just fucking make sure you're smiling every day. Hey, fucking men. And dude, I got, I got it. I have to say this real quick, because it's going to expose me as a, Hey, don't though. No, it's going to expose you as a petter ass. (laughs) (laughs) Eight year olds, dude, (laughs) dude, Brandon, that shit about the dream board. I had a realization because I didn't that that book the secret and shit like I didn't really know what that was all about but I once I like figured out what that was about I realized I'd been doing that shit my entire fucking life I've been making Brad. like ver- versions of like mood boards and like even like my desktops on my uh desktop images on my computers like were always like some motivational shit I'd yeah. have like picture dude because I'm a really visual person. Like, I, I write music. I watch movies on mute. Like, I'm just, like, a really fucking visual person. That's why I love photography. You see with your eyes. But, like, <laughs> just, like, in my bedroom and shit, I, like, stuff that I wanted or, like, goals that I had and shit, like, I would have I – I would write notes to myself as a teenager and hang it on my wall. Like – before we moved to California, we talked about some other podcast. I wrote this fucking yeah, soup. Yeah, you, you did it to us, too. We just didn't know what you were doing. You would always hide shit, strategically place posters around <laughs> practice. Like, yeah. Look how cool that singer looks. I'd be like, yeah, he does look cool. Weird. I should, I should be like well, that. I would like, I, I remember I wrote a note, a letter in my mom's basement when we rehearsed. I, yep. I fucking, it's so cheesy, it's embarrassing to even say. But like, I hung up a sign that said, think about what, where you want to be one year from now. And like fucking make it happen or some shit like that, and then mm-hmm. we moved to California. Fuck yeah. So like I have done a version of that my entire life. It's and then when the secret shit all came out, I was like super like embarrassed by it. But there's something. <laughs> thought they stole it from you. What? Brandon invented influencer culture. You wrote the <laughs> yeah, secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but but I'm gonna say there. Uh, I will say that there is just like quantifiable power to like that whole fucking beautiful monologue you went on about the GPS, about having a goal, having like. Having shit just fucking front and center in your mind, goals that you think about all day, every day, and even like having visual representations of that goal in whatever form or whatever. And like, there's fucking truth to that, dude. It's not like the fucking universe, some fairy up there, like, you'll get what you want. It's not that. It's simply just keeping your fucking eye on the prize and 
just fucking getting to work every goddamn day and chasing those dreams and shit. And like, that's how you manifest it. It's not fucking magic, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's like the lack of complacency, you know, you got to fucking just go, but for it, it works. There, yeah. yeah. When you have, when you have like a tangible goal that you think about and you see every single fucking day, it like really fucking works. We're all examples of this. Cause you know, we all had something in focus that we worked our asses off for. Mm-hmm. We all had that one in a million shot of being successful but we all got there because we were mm-hmm. you know not willing to not let it work so but brandon like the first time you saw us play were you f- afraid to go on stage after us though <laughs> where'd that come from <laughs> <laughs> speaking of goals were you like totally just heartbroken after you watched I us mean, play? Were you like man yeah. we can't even we can't even do this now you're like man <laughs> i'll never achieve anything on my dream board <laughs> yeah i was like well there go the dreams i guess so. <laughs> I think that yeah. I think the um, the lack of white fur on our amps was the thing that intimidated me the most. Yeah, we had I was those like, white. Shit, we had we the white shit. furry amps. How are we supposed to follow this? Especially was it my pearl drum set with the Orange County percussion drums like sticker on it? I mean, was that it for you? <laughs> was it really? Yeah, because oh, yeah. you hadn't got your you hadn't got your kit yet, but you no, wanted to yeah. represent. Yeah. yeah. I had, I had a pearl like fucking orange whatever it was and I had a I remember that. Yeah. That was a rad idea of you to go to Orange County though. Where'd you get that idea? That's I, I mean that cool. like Travis Barker. Oh, okay. I thought so. But wait, now you're with SJC. Every that I was going to say every endorsement Josh no, has is cuz of you. Like so SJC so SJC he had he had approached me once and then but I was with somebody else and then you called me. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I That's don't also play like one rack time and two floor times because like you didn't play that. <laughs> I mean, hey, why don't you guys get a room, bro? Hey, right. my wife. Hey, first Josh of all, also has a tattoo of your dick tattooed on his dick. <laughs> Dude, he'd need like four of them. We've all seen Josh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, my so for real though. Brandon my knows. wife has. My wife keeps telling me she goes. You talk, uh, so I, I just got a phone with Brandon. She, oh, you mean like your your soulmate? I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, you don't understand. Like the few times she's seen me and Brandon together, she goes, you guys only have eyes for each other. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> that's so cute. Nobody else, well, nobody else is con- like, you, you don't concern yourself with anybody else around in the surrounding area. I call, Josh you know, is like, draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> Josh does have a crush on you still. Hey, Josh is going to make a Brandon skin suit. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a a Brandon dream board. Yeah, no, Brandon's one of my favorite people. It's, it's, hey, it's, I, it's I the will, best. I, I agree. I will say He's this. Good. I I agree with Scoobs. You, you're the best, dude. Like yes. you're you're the uh, real fucking deal, man. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Right. If you make another dream board, can you put a story of the year sticker on it next to like a I will. like a like a gold to, something like multi platinum yeah. records or something. Yeah. Hey, as long as you guys keep getting me plaques. Hey, when when's your hey when are you gonna make your new project like a real thing and we could tour together? I think it's about as real as the demos I slipped to you. You know, like who knows? But <sighs> we'll see. <sighs> I don't know. I'm not no. But in all seriousness, um, it's it's frustrating that we've talked about it for so long because Quinn and I do have this EP that we loved. Um, but as as it's it's probably the coolest thing I've heard in a long time. I promise. <laughs> Thanks, man. But as Dan said, I think put it best, you know, these relationships and being in a band is not always easy and, and trying to form a new band with established professionals and 
people with careers and agendas of their own are, are really difficult to do. But somehow with Quinn and I, it's the easiest thing to do, man. It's insane. Like we sit in a room together. The minute he plays guitar, I'm hearing beats. I could have never made up on my own. And then I'm throwing out ideas for him to do on guitar that he would have never made up without me there. And we both can just do shit together that we would never be able to do on our own. And I like to think I can do some shit and he can too, but together there's just something fucking special and we have to get it out um, one way, shape or form, you know? What does he do like these days? I know he has that project with his wife. Like, does he have a job? Like, what does he do? You know, I, we just texted the other day. It was his birthday uh, about how we need to catch up because we haven't talked. Um, he came down and hung out with me um, late last summer. And, uh, and yeah, we've been in touch a lot. Me and him and his wife were actually going to work on a lot of music together and stuff. But I'm not sure what he's been up to the last couple months. I'd hate to answer for him and be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, he does a lot of creative shit, though. Hey, let's let's get him on. Bring him on the podcast right now. Yeah, we'll call behind him. door number two. We have Quinn. <laughs> hey, caller. <laughs> so, Brandon, um, I like love and respect the fuck out of the the fuck fear and all that stuff. All that said, though, like, what's the future for Rancid? Like, what? Like, what are you gonna be? I mean, you haven't played a show since 2019. You're talking about like, fuck, do I go get a day job? Like, like what's like what what like what's on the horizon for you? You know, do you I, know? There's the optimistic answer. There's the pessimistic answer, and I think somewhere in the middle is what reality will become. Um, right now, I mean, we've got tours, uh, hopeful tours for like October. You know, oh, wow. things that we were supposed to be doing last year mm-hmm. that didn't happen obviously um that we are trying to reschedule and make happen this year some cool stuff um trying to bring back our tour with dropkick murphys um we had a bunch of festivals and cool shit there was a festival with metallica we're doing later this year um so some rad shit is if all things go well you know we um we're working on a new record i don't know how much i'm supposed to say about that but we had made a new record a year ago and then that obviously got um, it, it everything pretty much but the vocals. And then it got kind of put on pause. So what's happening with that is to be determined, you know. But mm-hmm. um, we're definitely getting after it. It's just a matter of waiting for the world right now, like yeah. we're all doing. Um, yeah. But I think Ranson's still, you know, like the guys aren't slowing down. It's a trip because, you know, a couple of the guys are 12 years older than me and, you know, being in their mid fifties playing punk rock, like they're fucking killing it. But obviously I don't know what the future holds for those guys. At what point they're going to just not want to tour anymore or not want to do this. I, I don't know. They might be fucking in it till we're all buried in the ground. I don't, so I'll ride it out until the, the day I die. Otherwise I've just, I'm always looking for other stuff because I need more outlets. You know, I think um, growing up with a, such a love and passion for punk rock and, and it resonating with me, you know, but, but when I tend to write music um, and collaborate on music, I, I, I tend to go a little more rock, uh, whatever you want to call what, what we all do. Um, yeah, yeah. I tend to go that route. We still haven't figured out what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but just like some beats incorporating the whole kit and, you know, some six, eight time and some getting a little mixing things up, you know, 
tones and everything kind of being arty with it, so to speak. Like I have a, a passion for that, that I love so much and I need to do that. So, um, I always want to be creating and doing things a little bit outside of the box. And, and, um, I love Rancid, one of my favorite bands and I love playing this stuff. Um, as a drummer, it's not like, it doesn't push me tremendously, you know, but my passion is there for it wholeheartedly. So I'm just trying to find the balance where I can do other things that the, the creativity, um, is, is a hundred percent. And I get, I get to really push myself because I'm always craving more anything to just kind of fucking keep those gears turning. Oh, uh, you want some six, yep. eight with four on the floor. <laughs> Josh is good at that too. We've done a few of those, <laughs> right? a, couple, a couple here and there. At least you got your yep. speed game up over the last 15 years, but you can play a lot yeah, faster yeah. now than you used to be able to. Yeah. yeah. I, I never, you know, but that's the thing. Like I never got in, I never played like a lot of metal. I mean, you guys know I never played double kick in my life. Yeah. You know? Um, so anywhere I did that on your records that we had to do that all edited because <laughs> uh, no, but, um, Hey, Brandon recorded all the drums and all the records just in case you forgot. They know Josh, they know, but I recorded all of Brandon's parts on the used record. So it's all good. Yeah. We just flip flop. That's where I got the style. I bit off Josh. <laughs> so it appeared like he was biting off me. Long story. People can read about it in our biography. It's like Inception. Yeah. yeah. It's like Inception. Yeah, exactly. Are you still producing? Uh, yes and no. The problem I found with that was I was loving, like, I really loved what John Feldman did in the beginning, where he was, like, finding these unknown artists and kind of helping chip off the rough edges and produce in that fashion and then, you know, soliciting the demos and that whole thing. So I really enjoyed doing that at first where I was seeking out bands and working with them. But it was like one of the first bands I ever worked with, the the singer was just a bit too narcissistic and was firing all of his bandmates throughout the making of his record. And by the time the album was even going to come out, it was a whole new lineup and it was just a mess. And, and then that was the Maverick records time. They, I got him a deal on Maverick and then Maverick, shut down as you guys know um well, no, <laughs> as a maverick mm-hmm. band what maverick shut down <laughs> that's weird they didn't tell josh about it you guys can fill him in but um <laughs> yeah josh we're not on maverick anymore sorry damn it the next band i worked with they all were like banging each other's girlfriends and then broke up and it was just like <laughs> that's interesting. fucking hell you guys like and so it just kind of got exhausting where i was like guys like if i give a shit more than the bands do then i you know like i I can't do that. So I'll produce if and when the the situation makes sense. But for the most part, I'm just kind of working on my own stuff and and seeing what I can do with it. It's a new it's a new day, a new time, you know. It's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I enjoy doing like like one thing, um I got hired to do some Christmas music. It was the weirdest thing. My buddy that's a rally car driver. Oh, uh, hold on, wait, you mean Kim Block? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Josh dropped that one on the floor. Uh, You'll have to pick that up. Yeah, it's okay if Josh says it, it's okay. But but he does these viral videos, as you guys might know, and and they're incredible. And he had this concept for a video he wanted to do and was like, he wanted some very modern takes on Christmas classic music. And so he just hit me up and was like, have you ever done Christmas music before? I'm like, sure. (laughs) You know, and and then he's like, send me a little clip of the video. Tell me what he wanted to do. So I teamed up with Quinn, my favorite collaborator, and I was just like, yo, you want to get in on this with me? And we did this like Christmas EP of this like 
you know, kind of electronic renditions of classic Christmas songs and not at all something I would have just like <laughs> sought out to do. But it was a lot of fun and it was something that pushed me and pushed Quinn and and it's that kind of shit that I love. Like anything that pushes me gets me out of my comfort zone creatively, you know. Like I didn't touch a drum set, he didn't touch a guitar hardly. Like we just were programming and doing all this shit and it turned out awesome. So I'm just always keeping my uh ears open for opportunities to do new shit. That's dope. Did Thanks. you have you have a thing? I was gonna say this earlier when Josh was talking about the networking thing or Ryan. You're a very social, friendly dude, and you just you just talk to people like comfortably. You know, you're not you're not the kind of person to be like, uh, I don't know, should I say something to them? Like you're <laughs> you're just like a talkative social dude. And you're a drummer. So there's that like built in like drummer bro down, like drummer community, drummer bond thing. And I feel like that leads you to so much stuff because I think those things compound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And people always need a drummer as well. So there's that. <laughs> it's so weird because I think it, we all have a perception of who we are. And then there's the version people see that we are. And so it's weird because I, I, I really appreciate the kind words you guys are saying. Um, but it's weird because I wouldn't think you're talking about me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, dude, I'm like an introvert. Like, I, I, like, I like to think. I know that my actions don't show it because I've been forced to be outside of my bubble and my comfort zone my whole career. I have tremendous stage fright. I fucking the worst stage fright, you know, like I could never be a public speaker. If my, you put a gun to my head, I would just tell you to pull the trigger because I could not be a public speaker. (laughs) And it's like, I'm uncomfortable around people. I don't know. I'm shy. I'm, you know, but then like, get me in the right element and I don't shut the fuck up and you're going to have to edit the shit out of your podcast and make it (laughs) listenable, you know? And it's like, it's weird because I'm just so not that person. I think in my head, but then I'm like, yeah, but these are things I enjoy. I love connecting with people. I love like hearing people's stories. I love like relating to people's stories, sharing my story. And so it's, it's really weird. I kind of confuse myself at times because <laughs> I don't feel like I'm outgoing. I feel like I'm shy and I don't like people. <laughs> you know? but, but I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily behave like that's how I am. Yeah. No one would ever, ever guess that about Never. you. Never. No, nah. that's weird. I don't like people. <laughs> yeah, Josh, that much it's a little more obvious that Josh doesn't like people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you got to admit, Josh, like, like, dude, you've always been rad to fans. You've always been rad to other bands on tour. You've always treated your crew well, other people, you know, it's like you say that, but you're a complete gentleman. You're polite. You're outgoing, you know? So I, I think you, I think you all probably are the same thing where we think we're one way in our heads, but then our actions kind of don't really line up with the way we think we are in a good way. I think we're forced to be a, a better version of who we think we are because maybe our, our careers, you know, we have, we know yeah. that we're at the mercy of other people supporting what we do and the gratitude that comes along with that is like, how the fuck can I not be outgoing and polite to you when you're buying my records, you're standing in line to meet me, you know, like, how could I not be outgoing and just break out of my shell to be polite to you when you put a fucking roof over my head? Like, fuck, I owe my, I owe everything to these people. So it kind of forces us out of our shell. I think No, nah, man, they should. Cause True. we're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but Brandon, it, Brandon is right though. Uh, you know, uh, we all probably see ourselves differently in our brains than, than uh, you guys see me or we see any of you, but yeah, 
That is a weird thing. Hey, first of all, you can't see me. <laughs> can't see me. <laughs> oh, my God. If I laugh too hard, it triggers my cough. <laughs> you a long hauler? It's all those, years of, hauler. all those years of smoking. I don't know what that means. Is that... That sounds provocative, and I refuse to respond. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got uh, I got to hop off here, but before, dude. So, Brandy, tell what? How was COVID for you? I know you got got hit with the with the COVID. How was that? It was uh, it was brutal, but the whole time I was like, there was a weird wash of gratitude over me, where I just felt so grateful that it wasn't worse. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. I remember a, a tremendous sense of relief when I got my results because I felt like fucking shit. I haven't been that sick like that. Um, where like my entire body hurts so bad. Like I had fractures in every bone and joint and just miserable moaning. And just, I was such a little fucking whiny baby, but like, um, man, I just felt fucking terrible. And my breathing still now, um, it's just like struggling to take deep breaths and trying to fight off the anxiety of that because it it's very easily puts you into a panic. And then of course mm-hmm. with that anxiety, it makes it harder to breathe and you just starts a vicious cycle. So it was a lot of like in my head, like Danielle and I both got it at the exact same time. Somehow through our moving in process, we both got sick. We've been very diligent about social distancing and masks and all of that. But also, we were in the middle of a move. We had a million subcontractors coming in and out of our house and working. Who knows where the fuck we could have gotten it. But um, so we both had it the exact same time. It was a trip because, again, we're away from our family and friends and support system. And so we're on our own. And, dude, it was it was scary. But um, we were just like, fuck, this could have been so much worse. And every day you're nervous. Like, how am I going to feel tomorrow when I wake up? Like, am I going to wake up in the middle of the night unable to breathe? Am I gonna, you know, it was fucking like riddled with anxiety. So we would just literally put on the funniest shit we could find all day, every day and watch binge watch comedies because we just needed to laugh. And I credit laughter to getting us through it, you know? And yeah. now I've been out of it. I, I got it the first week of December and you know, fuck, it's been close almost two months, but I'm, my breathing still struggles and isn't there. My energy is still shit. I'm fatigued doing the smallest things it's insane like i can't and like dude little stuff building like a dresser with a screwdriver and it made my hands fucking raw like raw holding that screwdriver like dude i'm my body is shit right now so i've got a long way to go to recover but at the same time i'm fucking you know one of my dear friends uncle just passed away like three days ago um, he was a NICU worker. That's how you say it. Right. Um, and, and he's been doing that for over 30 years, working in the hospital with newborn babies and stuff. And he ended up getting COVID and just passed away from it. And so it's like, God. well, it still feels like shit. I'm still struggling to get back to hundred percent. I, I can't help but feel so much gratitude that I had it. Danielle had it and we made it out of it pretty unscathed and we'll, we'll work our way back slowly to hundred percent, you know? Jeez, dude. gnarly dude. Not That's all people gnarly. have fucking invincible bodies like Dan. Yeah, right. Yep. Dan got it. Was like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. That's I, great, I mean, though. I mean, I knew I had. Well, nobody. I didn't even haven't even talked about it on here. But uh, I also had it at, probably around the same time. It was in December, I guess. 
Okay. Uh, mine was more just like a cold and I just, you know, didn't feel great for a few days, f- probably four days or so, but I didn't really think I had it the whole time. I mean, I kind of, I just chilled in my basement just in case, but I, I didn't get tested during it. Cause I was like, that can't be what that is, you know, which yeah, a lot of people yeah. experience it very light symptoms. But, uh, then like a few weeks later, my friend dub was like, dude, you got to get the antibody test and you got to find out if that's what that was. Cause he, uh, he has cystic fibrosis and he was like, if you already had it, then you can hang out with me because then blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, dude, I'll do it. And I got the antibody yeah. test and I fucking had it, but wow. yeah, it wasn't terrible for me. And I've, I've felt great ever since, but yeah, it's weird how it affects people That's so differently. Great. I'm going, I'm going to get, I'm going to get tested next week. Yeah. Next week. Cause I have, I'm having surgery on next Friday. Oh, so I have to have a, I have to have a COVID test. I'm going to make them test my antibodies too. There you go. He's getting a dick reduction. <laughs> Damn it. You took my joke. <laughs> make that thing a realistic size. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make it like eight inches instead of 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The band's paying for it is for us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, for we're sick of this bullshit. I'm trying to make it more realistic for everyone else. <laughs> we appreciate you. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> oh man, but dude, it, but really, really, it's it's a trip. How different it is for everybody. Like you would have thought on paper, Danielle and I were sick from a completely different thing. Yeah, you know, like our symptoms were so different. She had the full loss of taste and smell, even after all this time, still zero taste and smell. You know, oh, like man. Luckily, I didn't lose mine. But I felt a lot worse and my shit seemed to be more dramatic and it seemed to be lasting longer or I was just more of a baby about it than she is. <laughs> but, <laughs> you find out the level of baby you are during this, basically. Yeah. But it, it kicked my ass a lot more. And after the fact, it's, it's, it's fucked with me a lot worse than her. Um, so it's just weird. You'd totally think we had different things. And, and, you know, but like I said, it was... A trip because the first day I had gone up to Utah County where I used to live, like three and a half hours north. And um, I went to actually pick up my drums because I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to get my stuff. And and, um, my good friend, who's my drum tech, came to meet me and helped me load up my drums. I had to set him up for him. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) And then we met up with um, some of our best friends, Spike and Kevin, just for a quick dinner. We all wore masks and shit and like... Like just we're trying to be good about it, but these are people that we knew were like locking down. They knew we've been away from people, so we weren't worried about that, and we just haven't seen many people at all. So then we get home, and then that's when I started feeling like shit, and I'm like, uh oh. And then the next day, I woke up feeling just miserable. So I scheduled a test, couldn't get that for a couple days later. We just locked the fuck down, of course, and then that was where like when I opened up that app or whatever in it said like the positive results again it was like this this tremendous relief because i felt so shitty i was like if this isn't covid and i feel this bad that's gonna really suck you know like and then um but then i instantly was like dude i i literally like teared up because i just felt heartbroken all of a sudden that i had just seen a couple of my best friends and i could have potentially got it you know given it to them and then like I'm like calling anybody I'd seen in like the week leading up to that. My brother-in-law was here doing some work on the house, installing like security shit. Cause that's what he does. So I'm fucking calling everybody and stuff and just dude, it really fucked with me. It was a real wild ride of emotions and a lot of shame. I felt shame big time and like embarrassment. I haven't really like said publicly that I had it just cause for some reason I felt a lot of shame. I don't know. It was weird, man. It was a real mind fuck for sure. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Woo. 
Hey, let's let's end it on a positive note since that was kind of gnarly. Be perfectly honest. Since your wife can't smell, do you fart more in the house? <laughs> you know, I've been joking that we've always known she has no taste because she's with me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I can get away with more. Yeah, you know, I'm less. I'm probably eating less gum than I usually would. <laughs> smells like shit in here (laughs) well dude hey uh that was amazing to catch up with you man um you're one of our favorite dudes and every time we see you it is like the fucking coolest even over over the internet like we are right now it's fucking rad thanks man guys man you guys have been like brothers to me for so long i've always been so proud of you guys as people and as a band and musicians you're all so fucking talented and good at what you do all jokes aside for real like you're all some of my favorites at what you do. And you're just fucking dude. You're the band that never disappoints your fucking energy. You're fucking, you sound like your fucking records, but even more exciting live, you know, like you guys deserve everything and more that you've ever had because you're just like the fucking real deal. You know, you guys deliver and I respect the hell out of that. And I know on top of it, you're just good fucking people, you know, like, so I'm just proud of you guys, man. Like as, as my brothers and my friends. And it's, I was literally telling Danielle cause um, right before I did this, she's like, when's the last time you talked to the other guys? Like, I know you talked to Josh a lot. I'm like, we don't really keep in touch like that, but I don't need to. Cause they're like <laughs> my super good friends that the second I see them, although we might not know all the personal details about what we've been up to. It's as if we haven't seen each other in moments and we're just instantly still as good of friends. And I just love that. Like those kind of relationships mean the world to me where we don't have to fucking call and text once a week or some shit to feel close. You guys are my brothers and always will be. So thank you guys for that. Same dude. dude. Hell yeah. You're the best. Appreciate all that. It's been a couple of years and you are right. It, it it doesn't feel weird at all just to see your face pop up on here. And it's great. Yeah. It's good to see you. Hell yeah. Even though you got rocks in your hair. <laughs> rocks in my, hey, I'm a <laughs> desert guy now. I live in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brandon, t- Brandon told me he has the best compound for all of us. You're talking about like for an apocalypse? No, no, no. Just like if you want to play a music, compound bow? skateboard, if you, if you, I mean, if you kind of want to rollerblade, but I, I don't know why you want to. I'll um, rollerblade the fuck out of everything <laughs> you want. I'll rollerblade your kitchen counter, your fucking toilet. I, I built the new house into a playground. It's a, it's a literal playground here. Like Dude, you would that's think so a teenager dope. owns this house. It's a, the backyard I landscaped to be a concrete skate park and then have like a mini ramp and like a pickleball court. And then we have like a huge <laughs> pool and a hot tub and the little studio. And we're right here by the lake with our doom buggies and our boat. And it's just toys, man. All day, every day. Just God, like dudes. I said, just make no sure matter, smile no matter who does our next record. We'll just do it at Brandon's house. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're coming. Right. God, we're coming over. Amazing. That's where you guys need to let me produce a song. You guys need to come out here. And you guys record because you know how to do all the technical shit. And I'll just stand in the corner and tell you, tell Josh what to do. And then hire somebody to set up Josh's drums. I don't drums. Even have to do anything. You could just track the drums. I was just trying to be polite. We know that's what'll happen. But yeah. um, Josh will set up your drums to track his. We parts. know he's going to retrack it either way. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be fun. Josh put down the scratch track that you guys can all record over. That's no, fine. but for real, that'd, that'd be fun as hell. You've always had the best houses and the best backyards out of anybody we know. We've <laughs> many times, nice. dude, many times we've gone over to Brandon's house and just enjoyed his ramps and his cool shit that he owns all the time. <laughs> love you guys. Well, we love you too. Um, yeah. Good luck with Rancid and every other project you do. Hopefully we can all Thank do you. it soon. And uh, 
if you don't uh, end up doing that other side project thing, I guess Rancid has to take us on tour pretty soon. So, yeah, okay. there you go. <laughs> or, I mean, you come to Australia with us. Either way. Either way, fine. Yeah. Or you can just be a drum tech's drum tech. Look, we can, we can trade off. I'll drum tech, and you don't have to pay me. Well, wait, no, that's me doing you two favors. Because I was going to say, <laughs> and I'll, I'll keep playing on your records, too. Yeah. But... That's just me doing. That's just me doing you guys all the favors. So I don't know. We'll work something out. Oh, okay, so okay, so this next time, it gives Dan a break from putting on the drum tracks, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'll, I'll actually play on the next record, and then you just pay for your plane ticket, and you can come to Australia with us. Okay, okay. Yeah, you can take there this album go. off. I'll actually do some work. <laughs> all right, all right. But you Scott. have to. You have to play every other show, though. <laughs> I'm down. I'll do that. Give that dick a rest. <laughs> we should really do that. We should go to Australia and just switch off shows or or just songs. We'll no, trade no, no. Every so, couple so songs. what we'll do is we'll go to Australia. We'll do two sets a night where everyone else has to play, but me and you, and we switch off. And one set's a story of the year <laughs> set, and the other set's a use set. But you play the story of the year set, and I play the use set. But this is already too complicated. <laughs> too complicated. It's getting confusing now. Wait, so you guys can't? You guys can't keep up? I can't learn all those lyrics. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> all right, Brandon. Tell these listeners where they can find you on social media. All right, if you, uh, if you, well, you're gonna have to spell my name right. That's the hard part. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. That's the main one I'm on. Um, just Brandon Steinekert, but it's spelled weird. B-R-A-N-D-E-N. Mm. Um, if you get that much right, you'll probably find me because there's not a whole lot of me out there. Um, but yeah, Brandon Steinekert's my handle on Instagram. 801-P-U-N-X is my Twitter handle, 801-Punks. Um, and then who gives a fuck about Facebook? Don't worry about me on there. It's all the same shit I put on Twitter and Instagram anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't, but you don't check it, right? Hey man, I mean, I got lost in what you just said. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck you just said. I thought it was Brandon Kunskatz. Josh has had too many, too many strawberries. <laughs> First of all, I had so many strawberries. <laughs> Josh had a little bit too much potion tonight. Yeah, he's got the runs from the strawberries. <laughs> no, uh, hey, all right. tomorrow's gonna be oh, awesome. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's been a while. We we should probably end it. Yeah, Dan, tell the people's where you can be found on social media. You can find me in St. Louis, Way, like I always say, but uh, it's at Dan Marcella on whatever, on all the shit. Find me. Page me. Josh, you're going to get this one of these weeks. It's your turn now. Hey, I'm on Josh underscore Wills 29 on all the things. <laughs> what's what's that, a new funny. platform? You're on that? Did they verify you yet, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hey, first of all, Brandon, stop, stop. <laughs> Yeah. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. These are jokes with love. No, it's cool. Guys. Yeah, it's yeah. cool, guys. I'm not. I'm not as cool as Brandon. I get it. I'm the poor. I'm the poor man's Brandon. Yeah, you can go ahead and sign off now. <laughs> the, the poor man's Brandon. We tried to get Brandon, but yeah, he can't do it. So I guess but call I'm Josh. A poor man. What does that make you? <laughs> if Brandon's Transformers, Josh is definitely fucking GoBots or whatever the the one you get at Walgreens is. <laughs> Damn it! I am. Oh shit! But Josh can grow facial hair. He's, he's fucking skinny. He's fucking got a huge dick. Josh has got me beat across the board. <laughs> we're, we're good at podcasting, aren't we? Aren't we, Brandon? Aren't you impressed with our podcast skills, Brandon? Oh, man. I love uh, it. You guys are professionals. Professional yeah. podcasters. You're like yeah. number two behind Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. We're, we're the go-bots of Joe Rogan. <laughs> but I will say, I will say that 
of all the podcasts I've done, this was the most complicated to get started for sure. So that's what we do. Ever, that's how everyone beat there. I'm like downloading new shit and fucking hooking up shit I've never hooked up. God damn it! I don't know what the fuck that is. I've got what links. What the fuck is the internet? Text to me that I am not allowed to open in Safari, and I need fucking microphones. I don't. That's because Adam, Adam's got. in charge, so Adam makes everything more complicated than it needs to be. That's how yeah. it works. <laughs> hey, but Adam couldn't even get on the podcast till and then he can't get on minutes later. Next time, I'll have someone from the Genius Bar come out and hook up my shit so I can podcast with you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I had a real problem. I apologize. That's how we All roll. Right, I gotta go. I gotta roll. Tell them where you at, Ryan. Tell the people. I am Ryan Phillips. There he Instagram, is. Instagram, the one and only. All right, sweet. What about you, Adam? Mine is at Adam the Skull on all the shit. You obviously know at Story of the Year on the things, and most importantly, if you want to support this podcast. Or the band and all the new shit that we're doing. Patreon.com slash story of the year is where you go for that. We're doing live stream stuff. Mm-hmm. We're doing things once the world is back to normal and maybe mm-hmm. we're on tour with Brandon. Maybe you come to a meet and greet and you get hooked up because you're a patron. That's real. That's real life. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash story of the year. Brandon, thank you again for being on. Everybody, thank you for listening. Peace out. See you soon, buddy. Thanks, guys. Suck one. Suck <laughs> one.